I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 476 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I had the honor of spending a few days with Little People Big World star Matt Roloff at the Roloff Farms in Oregon, and I had the opportunity to sit down with First Class Father Matt Roloff and take a deep dive into his fatherhood journey, discuss his upbringing, address some of the rumors about his family, uh, talk about some of the difficult challenges that the Roloff family faced just in this past year, and so much more. This is the third time that Matt has joined me for an interview on First Class Fatherhood. He and his girlfriend, Karen Chandler, gave me the first class treatment while I was there at the farm with them. The new season of Little People Big World begins tomorrow on TLC, and my interview with Matt Roloff is straight ahead, so please stick around for the conversation. And today's interview with Matt Roloff was recorded live at the Roloff Farms. The video is available on my YouTube channel, so if you'd like to watch today's conversation, which I highly recommend uh, to really take it all in, hit me with a subscribe on YouTube, First Class Fatherhood. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. And as I mentioned there, this is the third interview that I've done with Matt Roloff. The other ones are in the archives of the podcast, and if you guys are fans of reality TV, Please go back through and take a listen to some of the other reality TV dads who have joined me here on the podcast, including John Goslin from John and Kate Plus 8, Adam Busby of Outdoored, Bill Klein of The Little Couple, Boston Rob of Survivor, most recently, Eric Decker of Eric and Jesse Game On, and there's so many others. Please scroll through the list there and check it out. Make sure you guys are following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, please send me with a rating or review wherever you're listening. That always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, please let me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with the star of Little People, Big World, Matt Roloff, live at the Roloff Farms. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Hey dads, are you looking to boost your energy level? Strikeforce Energy has got you covered. With a Strikeforce Energy Packet, you can turn any beverage into an energy drink. Their original energy packets contain no sugar, no calories, just an explosion of energy and flavor added to any beverage. Strikeforce Energy is veteran-owned, and all their products are made right here in the United States. Co-founded by Navy SEAL Sean Matson, Strikeforce Energy blows away the energy drink competition. Right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save... 15% off their purchase by visiting StrikeForceEnergy.com and using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Strikeforce Energy turns any beverage into an energy drink. Get yours today. StrikeForceEnergy.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. All right, guys, I am honored today to be lucky enough to be at the Roloff Farm with the one and only First Class Father, Matt Roloff, who joins First Class Fatherhood for a third interview. Matt Roloff, thank you for welcoming me to the farm, and thank you for joining me on First Class Fatherhood. Well, it's absolutely my honor, and I'm so, you know, I'm just honored that you asked me a third time, so. And let's start it right here. Uh, give us an update on the kids. How old are they right now, and how many grandkids are we up to? Here? Well, we've got four grandkids. I'll start with that, because that's the first uh, thing that comes to my mind. As far as how old they are, I think my twin boys, Jeremy and Zachary, are 
just over 30. I think they had the 30th. Uh, they're going to be 31, I believe, uh, come this May, right around the corner. And then, you, I mean, you ask me how old all my kids are. I'm going to have to think about it. But Marley is around 24, 25. Uh, and Jacob, I think, is 22 or 23. So uh, sorry that I, I know all their birthdays, okay? But their ages, I'd have to calculate. But uh, they're getting to that point in life where, you know, they're um, all on their own, doing very, very well. They're all healthy. Grandkids are growing like weeds. Um, so we got little Jackson. We, uh, Jackson has a, a three years old. He's three years old. I have a sister, Lila, who's one. And then Jeremy and Audrey, they have Bodie and Ember. And Ember's three. They're, and uh, Bodie's one, right around one years old. So um, I get to see them a lot. And they're always at the farm. Uh, and it's, uh, it's life is good. Yeah, life is good on the roller farm. So Bodie is the newest addition to the family. Bodie is the latest addition to the family right now. Yep. I mean, he's one year old. That's Jeremy and Audrey's youngest. Uh, and he's a, he's a, we call him Bodie Bear because he just looked like a little teddy bear. Well, uh, well, one thing I wanted to do here, Matt, I know last time we, we touched on all your kids. I wanted to kind of take a deep dive here back into you and start from the beginning of all this um, with your father. I wanted to kind of know uh, a little bit about the relationship between you and your dad. So if you could... What was the relationship like with your dad? How, what kind of father was he when you were growing up? I had a very uh, great relationship with my dad, still do. Um, yeah, I don't see him as much because they lived down in California. They live kind of a distance from us now. You know, life gets busy and uh, you you, uh, you know don't get a chance to keep up as much as you'd like. But uh, but my dad had a, was a big presence in my life growing up. He was always home every night and we had dinner together as a family, prayed at the table together as a family every single night. Um, he worked very, very hard, but he also had time for his kids. We did things, uh, you know, he was always building things. So I think I've inherited some of my sort of construction passion from him. He was a carpenter at one point and then a truck driver. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad left me with some of the best um, word pictures, um, parables, uh, you know, not just from the Bible, but also uh, uh, biblical principles, but also just having uh, confidence in myself, knowing I could be anything I want to be. He used to say, you can be president if you want to be. And um, no, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, um, obviously uh, he instilled in me a sense of um, self-worth and self-respect. And he was always like, when the going gets tough, the tough get going was one of his common phrases. Um, so very inspirational father figure to me. If I had to pick one hero in my life, it would be my father. He just was always talking about, you know, he, one of his other things, everywhere you go, there you are. In other words, accept yourself for who you are because you can't run away from yourself. Um, that's the way I took that. And everywhere you go, there you are. You know, he would say that fairly frequently. And, uh, and that was a, a code word for, you know, like yourself and love yourself because um, that's who, you, you know, become who you want to love because that's uh, who you're stuck with. Yeah, very well said. And, and saying that wherever you are, there you are is more to, I, I hear like being present too. A lot of times it becomes what a lot of the dads that I talk to is about work-life balance. And it becomes one of these things of becoming present where you are, where sometimes we're at the job and we're thinking about our family. Sometimes when we're with the family, we're thinking about the job. So being where you are sometimes uh, a little easier said than done. Yeah. Uh, from time to time. Well, how was uh, your experience then of watching your dad become a grandfather? What type of grandfather was he to your kids? My my dad, he, for a period of time, they actually lived here in Oregon for a couple of years. And so they were always wanting to be involved in my in, in my uh, in my kids' life as a grandfather. Um, and now as a great grandfather, it's, it's amazing to watch my my dad come up here. He's a great grandfather. So he's 80, you know, 
82 years old, and he um, wants to go down the slide with them. He wants to ride a bike with them. He wants to be very, he's very active, very physical. Um, and so he's uh, still, he wants the little babies. He just, he, my, when, when the little, um, the grand, his great-grandkids, my grandkids, come into the room, he throws his arms up and just, you know, is very animated and very, and picks them up and hugs them and squeezes them. He's very um, physical and in terms of just, you want to squeeze them and hug them and, lo- and love on them and play, go play with them. He gets in the toy room and gets on the floor and plays trucks. So he's extremely present. Um, you know, when they're, when they're in the room, um, it's the only thing that matters. And so he's very... Very, he's not distracted by the TV or a book or he's reading anything. He shifts all his full attention, and my, and my mother does too. So um, they're quite a cute uh, couple. Been married forever. I don't know, can't say how many years, but over 50 years. They're very much still in love. He, my dad was a big, tough Marine, um, and you know, big, rough and tough, physical, you know, carpenter and truck driver. Um, and then um, my mom was his high school sweetheart, and they're still to m- married today. That's, a, that's an inspirational story, too. We, we, we could use more of that. And I know that um, your marriage went through, obviously, a very public divorce. Uh, that became one of the focal points, uh, not only of the show, but of the tabloids and all this other stuff. So what kind of, how did he kind of navigate you through that situation in your life? What kind of advice did he give you in the onset and then throughout the whole process of the divorce? Well, you know, that was, I'm sure, another time where my dad would say that everywhere you go, there you are. In other words, you can't run, you know, so if there's a problem, are you running from it? Or are you really trying to you know, fix something, and, uh, you know, I had to sort through that, and, uh, you know, my folks have always been very supportive of my decisions, you know, whether they're right, they're wrong, they agree with them or not agree with them, they um, uh, have been supportive of me throughout my entire life, no matter what what I'm doing, um, they don't always like it, and they let me know, well, we don't know, if, you know, have you worked at it, have you tried this, have you done that, um, and so they, they're very good life coaches in that regard, um, and, you know, when, it, when Amy and I got to a point where we just didn't think it was working anymore, um, you know, they were supportive, but at the same time, they were disappointed, um, they didn't like the fact they would like to, to try to, you know, magically fix things and uh, rely on some of the tools that they've used in their marriage over the years. Um, but uh, I would, I just generally felt supported um, for whatever decisions I needed to make in life. Yeah, good stuff. And I mean, obviously, on my show, I talk a lot about the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country. Too many kids are growing up without a father or a father figure in their life. Your kids, grandkids are blessed to have not only a first-class dad, but a first-class grandfather or great-grandfather as well. So they're very blessed to have that in their lives. And on the father figure, did you have any other type of father figures in your life growing up, whether that be through sports or through school? Were there any other father figures that kind of helped you out along the way? I, I don't know about father figures. My, my father was a big presence as a father figure. He was the father in the family, and he um, uh, had full, you know, um, command of his, his, you know, his responsibility as a father. I did have, though, with that said, some uh, high school teachers that were very influential, and uh, I still remember many of the lessons. I, my woodshop teacher, Mr. Ron Anderson, you know, he would call me out whenever I procrastinated. Mr. Roloff. Are you procrastinating on your product? Because I would be helping other students with their, you know, putting in dowels or cutting their uh, data blades or data cuts or whatever. And um, he would say, what about your stool, Mr. Roth? You're helping everybody else. Oh, oh yeah, my stool behind schedule, you know. So whatever I was building uh, at the time. But so I don't think I procrastinated once since high school, uh, thanks to Ron Anderson. And, you know, some of my other teachers, uh, my math teacher, for example, Mr. Uh, Claude Bontrager, um, was, you know, I was wouldn't have liked math at all, and I had troubles in algebra. Or, yeah, algebra was, you know, but when I got to geometry, 
you know, he was very good. I was great with geometry. I kind of took to more naturally. So um, algebra struggled with geometries, angles, and things were my thing. And so, he, you know, he was good about not rule. You know, you go through algebra first. He was good about encouraging me through that. And when you get to geometry, you might do better. And sure enough, if I, if I did. So he nurtured me through um, my math, even though I wasn't a great student, um, never went to higher education. But even today, I apply some of the physics and things that I learned, and certainly the geometry and the physics that I, that I learned uh, in high school through this teacher. Um, I'm applying today to my building. I went and, you know, built my t um, tree house with, you know, cantilevers and learned how to, you know, engineer a thing. Um, never had any formal training, but but learn what I need. There's a saying out there, you learn everything you need to know in kindergarten. Well, I learned everything I need to know up to high school. And then I took off in life. Well, different than me. I learned most of my basic math skills came at the racetrack, reading the racing form and betting on horses. And then I ended up getting through math class by booking bets for my teacher. So <laughs> it all came full circle. That, but. that, that should be a poster. <laughs> <laughs> um, more about that later. But um, I wanted to ask you too, uh, how was your dad's reaction or how did he kind of handle it with your condition? I already had a lot of surgeries that you had to go through. How was he during that entire process, especially early on in your life? Well, you know, my dad was very practical. You know, he would say, hey, life isn't always fair. That was another one of his regular mantras. You know, life isn't fair to you. You got a hand in a bad deck um, or a bad hand, and now what are you going to do about it, you know? And, um, what, you know, how are you going to charge forward, put one foot in front of the other, let's get out there and do it and make it happen. Um, and he was just, you know, very big on getting uh, intellectual, uh, you know, intellectual development going so that I could survive in the world. You're not going to be able to work at McDonald's, so you might as well, because you're not going to be able to stand up and, you know, reach the counters and serve people. So you might as well get your head going so you don't have to pump gas. You can do something else, you know. And uh, he was very good at making sure that I stayed on my studies in school and that I was uh, learning, my, uh, you know, my craft at the time. It was computer programming. Um, so... But he was very practical, you know, and, and, my, and we were in the hospital a lot. I was in the hospital. My dad would come visit, you know, after his shift at work. And, you know, even when they couldn't come in the hospital to visit, they'd knock on the window and, and talk through the window and say, so they were very um, active. And we were in body cast a lot. And my dad would carry us around, you know, but my, me and my brother had body cast. And he'd carry us on his shoulders, you know, across the rivers and out. In the, we'd go camping and, you know, fishing and um, just like any childhood, we took the family vacation across the country and we were in body cast and he was, uh, we just were like any other American family doing regular vacations, working hard and uh, playing hard. Yeah, it's amazing to hear you say too, like you've been handed a, a bad deal or a bad hand and what you've done with what you've been given has been amazing. You've, you've employed so many people. The success of the show has made so many people uh, a success and has been a blessing to so many people worldwide, especially the little people community. So uh, you turned what you've been given into a, an amazing miracle here. And I, I think it's, it's inspiring to see you continue to go forward with a new season. I know the show coming up here. And, and I wanted to ask you two sticking on to uh, other father figures. What has um, your relationship been like uh, with Karen's uh, parents? Do you have a relationship with her father? I have a very close relationship with Karen's um, with Karen's father. Yeah, and um, I have uh, he, he. They live down in Arizona. In fact, they are the ones that convinced us to buy a place in Arizona. So we have a house um, literally a couple blocks away from them. So every time we're in Arizona, we see each other just about every day. Um, I go to dinner, uh, you know, when Karen and her mom are out doing the 
you know, the ladies say getting their nails done or whatever, her and her, her dad and me get together and have breakfast and lunch. And we, you know, we talk about everything from the stock market to uh, investments to, you know, we have, we have a, an array of conversations that we catch up on. Uh, her dad, uh, you know, like my dad worked very hard, had a business, um, ended up retiring and selling it. And so um, um, we had, you know, we have a very, very close relationship and I love them uh, dearly, just like I do my own folks. Very cool. And what about as far as your relationship? Now, all your kids are married, correct? They're all, all, all my married? Kid, all my kids are married. I have to think about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the relationship like with, uh, with, with the spouses of your kids' parents? Well, you have, what is the relationship like with them? Well, with Jeremy and Audrey, they, they're, her parents' names are Dan and uh, Cindy. And um, I, we have a great relationship with them. Karen and I take them out to dinner periodically every couple of months. They don't live far from here. So we'll go out to dinner and you know, talk about how the kids are doing, the babies, the grandbabies, and what have you. I don't see... Tori's parents as often um, I see them at birthday parties and things like that and uh, I um, we get along great we you know everybody's like kind of a big happy family and um, Amy and Chris and we all Bodie had a birthday party uh, recently and all the you know the Jeremy and Audrey families were there and we were there and, and then you know when you know, Lila had her uh, birthday we all got together with uh, um, you know we were all there all the parents and the and the wife's parents so um, we're just pretty much a big extended happy family most of the time. We have our moments. Uh, as we all do, man. So, and, and then turning it over here to you as a dad, I know you got hit twins right off the gate here. Uh, we have myself, we have four kids for my wife and I going from two to three was probably the most difficult transition for us. Uh, as far as the nomination of kids, what would you say was the most challenging transition for you as far as number of kids that you went through? I, I would say going from the twins, you know, we were just like in a, to the third child. That was a, a wake-up call a little bit that, you know, you got the twins over here doing the toddler thing, and now you got a new baby. And so, you know, with the twins, we, we, had a, we were very systematic. When you pull out the diapers, you always pull out two diapers, you know. And when you line them up, you line them up, you, wipe, you know, get the wipes, and you, you know, get two bottles. and you, So uh, don't get me wrong, Amy would have something completely different to say about how hard which one went but for me I was like wait a minute I'm getting these I have these toddlers now I have another baby so that would be Marley uh, so I would say going from two to three was sort of a wake-up call and once you get the four and you're kind of like okay we got this down you know yeah and I'm nothing but respect for people that have twins because I just know my, my our first two are about 15 months apart and that was close and that you know uh, a little bit of a taste but I couldn't imagine doing double duty at the same time. So always have mad respect for people that are parents of twins. What about when you were growing up? Did you always want to have kids? When did it become known to you? You said, I would love to have kids or start a family. Is that something you always wanted to do? I don't say I always wanted to have kids. I always thought, expected that I would have children. Um, and uh, someday, I didn't know how many. You know, I think Amy and I talked about having, uh, you know, just two or three. And so uh, when we had uh, Jacob, the fourth one, um, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise that took us off guard a little bit, but uh, that was great. And we're super uh, happy with uh, all of our kids and they all bring something very, very special and joyful to our lives. And what has been, I mean, obviously this year, we've, everyone's been through the ringer. The pandemic has hit everybody pretty hard. What has been some of the challenges of you being a grandkid? Did it interrupt your relationship with how many times, how often you could see the grandkids? And how did the pandemic kind of play into your relationship with the kids and the grandkids? Well, obviously, COVID has affected everybody, including us here. Now, we're very, very blessed and fortunate that we have this farm. You know, this is 110 acres with many buildings and sleeping quarters and kitchens and places. So 
we have been we call this our bubble you know roll out farm bubble and we get tested regularly we you know send in test kits and and uh, you know send them out to labs so we get tested I get tested almost every week um, during the pandemic to make sure that I'm not getting it and passing it on so um, but we take all the precautions you know we've been doing the mask and I vaccinate I'm fully vaccinated now for the last couple of months, but um, um, we, we were just sort of crossing our fingers and praying that nobody got the COVID, nobody brought the, co- the bubble, in, you know, the COVID into our bubble. And, um, but I, so I haven't had to, you know, not see the grandkids um, much, most of the time. Although it did, we were trapped in Arizona for a little because the travel restrictions came up. So Karen and I happened to be down in Arizona when they put some heavy duty restrictions down so we missed them for about three months uh last year um and of course nobody wants to i wanted to see my grandkids so the the process i went through i ended up because i couldn't get on a plane driving back and sleeping in the car eating the sandwiches karen had to wave me goodbye and i took the car that we have in arizona and drove all the way back to oregon um to um get back to um get back to see those grandkids uh, and then get tested and then and wait a few the quarantine period. Anyway, the COVID hasn't been fun for anybody. Everybody's, uh, you know, got hit with it in one way or another. And um, it's been the same for Rolls. But for the most part, we've been fortunate. Yeah, I'm going to touch a little bit more on the farm's impact from COVID in just a second here. But I, bringing it to the kids, what is what would you say has been the favorite attraction? I know you got a lot of things. I've been able to take the tour of the farm here. you got you got projects going on all over the place. What's been the, the favorite attraction of your kids? What's like the home run attraction for the kids that come to our pumpkin season? What, what's the home run ball here? Well, you know, it, 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 it shifts around the home, you know, um, the, the, my kids, I built all these fancy structures, you know, the, the Noah's Ark and the tree house and the castle in the Western town, we had the tower of terror and, and my kids just love playing in the nature of the forest. You know, we have about a five acre forest with 200 varieties of trees. Most of them are big mature and they would build forts and dig holes, burrow into the ground and have camp out, play paintball. So they they, they like the my kids love the forest. That was always their favorite. People, would, what do you mean they don't like all the stuff you? But no, they love all that stuff. But the forest is just that that, that nature, you know. And uh, um, so I think a lot of kids that come out here, you know, they're attracted to the western town. That's probably the big hit. Now I've got some new projects right around the corner, um, you know, that you've been able to see. Thank you for making the journey out here from from New Jersey and uh, so the, the log cabin as you know is a big focus point for me right now it's a cute little structure uh, one room cabin and, um, that's my new favorite usually for me it's always the latest project I'm working on my favorite um, but uh, we, we have some cool you know Molly's Castle is pretty cool and quite a few other things yeah it makes sense and the log cabin looks tremendous it's, it was exciting to get a chance to take a look at it be inside of there I can't wait to see the finished product and it'll be I'll be able to reference where I saw it at this stage. It's looking close, right? It is looking very close. And and it reminds me of what you say there, the kids playing in the forest. It's like on Christmas, we buy all these elaborate gifts and they end up playing with the box that the toy came in. You know, That's exactly. That's always the biggest hit. <laughs> and I know well, one of the focuses here too is on the future of the farm. So you obviously have a newly strong relationship with Karen. You also have grandkids now that are just getting their first taste of the farm here. So how does all of this kind of play into your decision on what's the future of the farm going to be? 
Well, obviously, you know, Karen has been familiar with the farm, uh, you know, for many years, uh, being both an employee here and now her and I dating. Um, she, she's got a heart for the farm. She loves her. She has her own little chicken coop out there and she loves interacting with Jackson and the grandkids, you know, that like love the farm. So um, she, I think Karen wouldn't admit this readily. She's kind of a farm girl in a lot of ways and enjoys the, the beauty of the farm. Uh, she also loves our getaway time when I'm not distracted with the project. So she she's getting, you know, to a point where she says, hey, you know, when are you going to retire? When are you, you know, I'm not ready to retire yet. We'll come back to that. But um, uh, she's, um, it's a little bit, I think she would like to see me not have as many responsibilities here. Uh, maybe spend a little bit more time with her down in Arizona. Um, but she is committed to the farm and whatever. She's very good about, you know, Matt, whatever youth, what I'm not, she never pushes me in any one direction. Um, but I do know in general, she probably likes to see me simplify a little bit and, and not, uh, you know, I've just purchased Amy's side of the farm. So she's very supportive about all that. But, um, but at the same time, I think there's probably a little tug to go the opposite direction and, uh, you know, reduce my involvement. And at some point down the line, wherever that may be, uh, and, and you are away from the farm or retired from the farm or disassociated with the farm in a sense or distant from it, what would you say you would miss the most about the farm? I, I would definitely miss the new project. I love um, and my equipment. You know, I, I just love to get in my big boy toys and, uh, you know, that have joy, anything that has a joystick, I can sit in the seat and um, kind of control the world through, uh, through big hydraulics, you know, and big grabbers and thumbs and bulldozer blades and tractors. And I have uh, always have new toys coming. Like I just got a new chipper, and so that's my favorite toy now. And we're chipping, and I I can't even use it because it's a big, dangerous, you know, commercial grade chipper. Um, but I also have a sawmill that's on its way. I'm very excited. I'm gonna be able to throw a log in there, sit in a little seat, and push a log through and cut lumber. Um, so I love. That's what I'm gonna miss the most if I end up. Uh, but I'm not planning on ever i'm planning on dying here on this side of the farm now the, the north side we call it the, the original farm the 33 acres you know hopefully one you know we're going to figure out which one of the kids might be interested or a combination thereof but um the south side of the farm i'm i'm hoping to dig my grave here well i'm going to circle back to this too because it's uh, one of the things i wanted to ask you is some of the stuff that i've been reading online now in the last six months it's been a difficult time for the roll-off family not only as we mentioned here the covid We've had to make some adjustments here on the farm, but also uh, Jacob came out with some from really shocking news when he put the Instagram post about his uh, incident. And then we also I recently read about uh, your daughter uh, in law, Tori, suffering through a miscarriage. So walk me through this. Let's start with the Jacob incident here. I, I read which was a very uh, uh, heartwarming post that he put out uh, on Instagram about this. That was when I and I guess the rest of the world became aware of this. When did you become aware of this entire thing with Jacob being molested? We we as a family found out just two days or two or three days before that. Jacob sent out a uh, text to the uh, family, the group text, and uh, it it was hard. It was a heartbreaking revelation. Um, we um, it caught us all by surprise. We had no idea, and uh, you know he obviously explained that this had happened uh, back in 2015. It was a single incident. It didn't happen on the farm. It happened, you know, off the farm. Um, and um, he, you know, it's one of those things where you just you think you've you've braced your 
family and you prepared your kids for um, you know things like that and you talked to them about it regularly. We had some other scares in the early days um, uh, when everybody was young and we were you know very um, protective. Particularly, we were worried about Molly, get, you know, becoming uh, involved in something. Uh, you know, we had to. Um, and, uh, you know, when we did the show, we had a number of fans that were overzealous to, you know, get to various uh, members of the family that they were fixated on. Um, and so we always thought something bad would come from somebody. Uh, uh, we didn't realize it would be somebody so close. So the Jacob thing was was heartbreaking, uh, a lot of tears. Um, but we were also very, 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 very proud of Jacob and the, the way that he... Um, came out and um, talked about his, you know, getting this off his uh, um, chat, mind and chest uh, so that he could uh, develop and continue his growth, I think were his words. Um, I mean, his post said it all, you know, uh, the, um, and his, you know, public uh, revelation said everything, you know, we needed to know, and um, um, we were all taken aback and devastated by it um, to think it's something, you know, so you know, crazy and evil can happen so close um, inside the family. But um, um, but he, I just saw Jacob this last week, and I've talked to him on the phone several times since. He, him and I and, and, and Isabel, his uh, wife, you know, keep a, a close relationship. Every time he's here on the farm, we visit for a while and talk. And right now, he's really into micro, but he, Jacob's a super-duper-duper smart kid. He reads, he go to his house, he's just layered with books and uh, musical instruments and he um is into the science of dirt and fertile soil dad you got to start a compost pile so him and i are connecting recently on on composting um and microbiology and all the little bugs and worms that eat and eat you know compost and make it fertile and stuff so i'm very very excited about um you know connecting on that and um yeah and uh, yeah we you know he jacob seemed to be putting this incident behind him, and um, so that's what we're, you know, we're working with him on that. We're open to talk about it, but, you know, he he seems to have a handle on his own development and uh, what have you. And I'll be honest with you, Matt, there's no telling how many people he may have prevented from being in a situation or how many people he inspired to come forward in their own story to share it with their families, and I, I've had uh, Navy SEAL Craig Sawyer on the podcast a few times. He started the program Vets for Child Rescue. He goes after these sexual predators, and he talks a lot about this grooming process that Jacob uh, went through with this uh, predator. And it, it is is a bigger problem than most people are aware of. And there's so many of these people that are out there, and, and the result, the path of destruction they leave behind is very detrimental. Well, you hear about just a fraction of them going on on the news and TV, but there's still so many that you can't. And, you know, this can happen... Any time, anywhere, I mean, it can happen in your neighborhood, it can happen with your family members, um, you know, when you're not looking, you just, you know, you can happen in your, in your church or schools or your sports teams. Um, so it, every parent out there, I mean, certainly it was a wake-up call for me um, to, even though my kids are grown, we have grandkids, it's a double-down effort to make, you know, more rules, more, you know, more precaution, um, figure out how to be more open about discussing things. Um, you know, and um, that, that, you know, you, every person out there needs to be aware of this stuff. We thought we were, you know, we were had a lot of rules um, about, you know, access and this. And, and this happened in an incident. This person was no longer, you know, associated with the farm or the show or what happened years after his association, but came back into 
um, you know, Jacob's life somehow, uh, and um, it, it was sort of an evil process that went, went on from what we understand, um, and um, um, we just, you know, but now it's like, okay, we've got to redouble our efforts. Every parent now, it's a warning to every parent. Amy and I thought we were pretty attentive, but somehow we, we missed the boat, and, you know, you... Obviously, when you hear about this as a father, um, you're not only devastated to hear your kid, you know, but you're devastated of, of how you didn't protect your child. So, um, you know, we're worried about Jacob's recovery um, and um, also worried about our own, my own sense of you know, worth and self as a father, how I could drop the ball so badly. And, and, and uh, I thought I was doing all the right things. It wasn't enough. Yeah, and, and you know it's close to my heart. My, my wife went through sexual abuse as a, as, a, as a child, so she's super alert when it comes to things like identifying people who are around our kids. Has has your vetting process? I know when when farm se- when uh, pumpkin season comes, you hire on a lot more people to come onto the farm and help. Now you have little grandkids running around. Uh, has anything like has your vetting process changed at all as a result of what's happened here oh, with Jacob? Yeah. We- We've always been pretty good about running background checks, particular vendors and people that are close, uh, at, you know, in the, whether it be, um, you know, production or, or employees. Um, but we now have a very, we've, those, those rules have doubled, uh, tripled, and we realize anything is possible. And um, uh, you just turn it back for a second, and there's, you know, the wrong relationship starting. To, so I, I would say the art vetting process is definitely, there's a whole new layer of um, concern and caution uh, about this, especially, you know, we're talking a lot to, um, you know, Zach and Tori and Jeremy and Audrey, just like, you know, um, trying to understand how stuff like this happens and uh, what what those signs are and try to prevent things from uh, going on. So we're super protective. Yeah, good stuff. And then just touching on, uh, on Tori, like I said, I recently read that she suffered through a miscarriage. My wife and I, unfortunately, we've been through this several times and, it, and it's always a devastating result. And it, it's very hard uh, especially as a husband and a father, to watch my wife go through this. And it's just because what happens is we kind of get this mental image and excitement once we find out we're pregnant. So we already start to envision our lives with this new person that's going to be coming, boy or girl, thinking of names, thinking how our older brothers or sisters are going to react to it. Are they going to be a good big brother? And we have all these things that we see. And then in just an instant, it, it gets wiped out and that vision dies with it. So um, what was it like? What, what was it like for, for Tori to go through this? And how, how did you kind of handle this with, with Tori and Zach? Well, obviously, it's a very you know personal thing to them. Um, and as a grandpa, you're kind of once removed from from it and you still feel devastated because I was going through the same process you described, you know, starting to imagine what this baby was going to um, um, be like and a new personality was starting, starting to daydream about pers- the personality. Um, and then, uh, you know, you get this news and, you know, just you, all you can do is pray and be there and support. Uh, I think the biggest revelation of the whole process is exactly what you said, how, how common it is, how many people are going through this uh, and um, so I'm, again, super happy Tori uh, put something out publicly um, to, to share her story because I think it'll help um, moms and dads and grandpas and grandpas all over, you know. Um, and often, you know, grandpas kind of get, you know, are the second, you know, thing. But I think that the Zach and Tori and Zach particularly have been very good about keeping me up to date. And, I, you know, Karen's been helping, uh, you know, to support um, Tori in any way she can uh, just as a as as um, a friend and um, support part of the support team, so it it's devastating, 
um, but you're not alone. And so those, those that you get a little comfort from knowing that. Um, and then Dory, um, you know, it's, it, she, she's strong. She's a strong, smart woman. And so she's, you know, figuring it out and processing it. And uh, I'm just very, very proud of both Zach and Tori and how they've handled themselves through uh, at this tragic uh, adversity. And I think the key point, Matt, too, is what I always tried to remind my wife of every time we went through this was that it wasn't her fault. It's not her fault that this happened. And I would hope that that's the same advice Tori gets and knows that it's not her fault. This is a common thing that happens. And 90% and of the time, there's nothing you could do to prevent it from happening. So. Indeed. Um, and then, you know, Matt, well, while I got you here, I wanted to address some of the rumors that uh, I read. I, I read quite often. I keep up to date with you oh, sometimes. That's the fun part of the conversation. Um, I, I, I wanted to hit this one here. You mentioned we did a little bit. We were talking about with the farm, but it says here, uh, Matt Roloff plans to retire in 2022. <laughs> You know, I don't know where these people come up with this stuff. Somebody sits around and dreams up. Now, now that particular one, you know, I just laugh at it. I'm like, wait a minute, did I say I was retired? I do, you know, talk about only in the context that I want to reduce the amount of work. I'm, hey, I'm trying to recruit one of the kids to start mowing the lawn, you know. Like, hey, guys, I want to start retiring, you know. But no, there's no serious... Uh, real talk about it in retirement. Certainly no timeline. I think that article that came up on my news flash. I would said, hope you'd give this to me, Matt, if this was <laughs> going to be the case here. Yeah, yeah I want to talk to you about it for sure. <laughs> Let me hit this one, Matt. Matt Roloff would rather Jeremy take over the Roloff farm rather than Zach. Zach. No, it doesn't. It's, I have no preference on taking on farm. What I would love to see most, I'm going to put this on record with you. I'd love to see the kids come together and come up with a, a mixed uh, involvement in taking over the farm. Somehow create a corporation and share, you know, maybe one would, you know, live in the house where the other one would help with this, and they would share in the benefits of the uh, ownership of the farm. I mean, um, Jacob now having an interest in dirt, and I don't want Jacob to be involved. If he wants to take and make a big compost pile, you know, and have a little corner of the farm to do his composting, you know, I want that to happen. So um, um, I want all my kids to have some sort of uh, seat at the table, if you will, on the future of the farm. Um, and so whether we can work that out, but no, that article is completely false. There's no such thing as I want one kid to be favored over another kid in terms of ownership of the farm. I mean, it's true that Jeremy I mean, it's always kind of been the de facto, you know, people have just assumed. Um, and, um, but all the kids want to have some sort of, you know, finger in the pie, so to speak. They all, maybe not active interest, but maybe a silent interest. Um, and uh, so we're, we're, we're having those discussions. Um, they're complicated. Um, and so for right now, we're getting through COVID and settling out what's going to be the future of the pumpkin thing, pumpkin patch. Um, you know, where I've owned the whole farm now and we're going to sit down. It's written in, in my estate planning um, program as a shared endeavor. Um, and But if one of the kids decides he wants to have a bigger piece of the responsibility, um, that mow more, do more mowing, spend more time on the rototiller, um, then we're, you know, we'll continue to be open to those conversations. But that, when they come out with these articles like that, Alex, it's mind my, my, I mean, sometimes I laugh. And sometimes I cry at what people, sometimes I, you know, I, sometimes I bite my tongue off because, you know, we've been trained being in this TV business for as long as we have. We've been trained to ignore 
media. And it, when, when things come to our attention that aren't true or that are hurtful, you know, we've been tra trained, all my kids were super thick skinned. They grew up with this, you know, to have thick skin, don't worry about it. You just ignore it. You duck and, you know, go about your business um, and you don't give credibility. But sometimes these people, they're assuming they're adults and they act like little kids the way they put out bad information. The one that was the most grievous to me recently was something about Matt Rowlock, uh, you know, uh, relied on a PPP loan. Well, I have that written well, down here, Matt. What yeah, do you, got? What well, do you, you know what it was? I wanted to address that because I know you had to uh, reduce the amount of people, like like everybody else with COVID. Uh, some people had to get laid off. Some people had to, uh, you know, shut their businesses down. You kept the farm rolling through COVID. So I, I was surprised to read that it said that you uh, took out something like a two hundred thousand dollar PPE loan. I, I was surprised to hear that. <laughs> well, what actually Not, happened here? I took no PPP, none, zero, and that one art one news outlet wrote that and then other ones picked up from them matt roloff relies on ppp it's not true it's that didn't happen and uh, matt roloff did not there's another farm uh, in oregon called roloff farm <laughs> so there, there's some confusion there okay but you know what it's irresponsible of these news outlets um number one the ones that originally source that information shame on them for being writing something like that. not if they're sophisticated enough to look up that the roll up a a roll off farm got a, 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 a couple hundred thousand dollar ppp then they should be sophisticated to look that that's not this roll off family you know there's other roll offs out there people think roll off because we sort of made the roll off name you know a thing on tv that every other roll off is just, we don't even know this farm we don't never met any of them. Not, no harm to them. They needed to take a PPP. I mean, I think that's what it's there for, to help support. My circumstances here, as being the owner of this roll-off farm, that's here, the one that you know on. The one I'm sitting in. The one that you're sitting on. <laughs> we didn't have to do that. Um, and, we, you know, we were nervous. We, we looked at the options, but we were able to. I just got up earlier and worked a little harder. Um, and we were blessed to be able to, you know, continue to do the show, could still do a pumpkin patch last year. We had to reduce it, but we cut our expenses. Not our employee. We kept our employees on. Wow. Um, and uh, we, we, we didn't hire as many seasonal people temporary as we typically do in October. We kind of reduced um, that, that process. But we kept our full-time guys. In fact, we actually added people, um, you know, to try to keep them off unemployment and things. So we we like to think we were doing a lot of good things to um, here at uh, the Pumpkin Patch Roll-Off Farms, you know, the Matt Roll-Off Roll-Off Farms, <laughs> um, uh, to keep them. Um, keep things going and contribute to the economy and try to, you know, pay our taxes and, and, and not, you know, rely. My dad, that's another huge influence. When my, when I was a kid, you know, my dad used to say, you're not going to live off other people's, you know, money. I mean, some people have to do that. I don't begrudge anybody um, that needs assistance. That's what the government's there for. But I do begrudge people that don't need it, that, um, you know, that take advantage of that because, um, you know, I pay a lot of taxes and, uh, you know, it's not fun, but you got to do it as part of your civic duty and, and uh, responsibility. And my father taught me that and um, he taught me, you know, he, despite my disability and I could be on disability income and say, oh, I'm too, my body's too cranky to get out of bed this morning. You know, no, get up, get up and go out there and pound the pavement and work a little harder, a little faster, a little smarter, make things happen um, and contribute. Don't, you know, don't be at the, the draw. Right. And, yeah. um, 
that's um, why I respect people like you, Alex, and I've gotten to know you pretty good over the last couple of days and even last several years. I respect you. You know, work multiple endeavors. You got the family of four. You give me your routine about eating the dinner as a family together. Um, you know, and praying at dinner every night. And I just those things just you know. Um, and then you're still chasing this uh, uh, first class fatherhood uh, and the people that you get on there um, and that you reach out to. I'm amazed by you. You're an inspiration to me. So uh, I appreciate uh, what you're doing, and I try to follow uh, the same standard of work hard and provide and on the same way i appreciate that matt it's the american dream really is what it is that's what it's all about and i I love the fact that you have this family unit although um you've had your issues in the family you guys are a strong cohesive unit you all work together and that's what i think we need to see more of uh that would strengthen i think our entire our entire country if we strengthen our family units maybe bring some god back into the flow i think most of the problems we see in our country would really dissolve quickly yeah well, you know, our family has problems like everybody. We a lot of our dirty laundry's aired out, you know, on our show, and um, we have our ups and downs, our challenges. You know, we have bumps in our relationships and things. And uh, you know, I feel very fortunate as as uh, as the father of my four kids, now the fourth grandkid. You know, and my parents, and I I work really hard to kind of try to keep. You know, it's not always easy. You know, you have to get spread kind of thin. You know, the more things multiply and you have extended families. But um, um, I work really hard to try to um, spread myself uh, out and keep my relationship. I All my four kids, I pick up the phone, talk to them, you know, at, at any time, have them over here, babysit their kids. I've seen um, that just being here, yeah. And just being here. And so, um, you know, sometimes you see the cross-relationship bumping and bruising and, you know, you, you feel bad and sometimes you can step in and do something about it. Other times you can't. You have to let a little time heal. Somebody hurt somebody's feeling. And, uh, but it's, um, I, doing shows like yours is super important because it really, I hope it inspires me. I hope it inspires others um, that being, you know, parenting is a, is a big responsibility. Like you say, we're not babysitters, we're parents. I think my son, Zachary, says that to me all the time. Um, he's, you know, and, and Tori and, and Jeremy and Audrey. And um, that, that that's taking the responsibility of fatherhood seriously and realizing that um, you can always do better. And being a father is, um, is you know, a first-class job. Yeah, well said, and I used to be able to say I'm at the one and only roll-off farm, but I just learned today that this isn't the one and only roll-off. <laughs> Not the one and only. There's <laughs> others. So, so on that, Matt, I want to turn it over to your legacy here. What 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 do you want? Uh, what would you say you want the legacy of the roll-off farm to be? Pumpkins. <laughs> no, I. You know, it's funny. I I you think about legacy, and you know, I think that um, the you know the show obviously there's a lot of. We like to say we've got the best home videos in the world, you know. Um, I used to always, I used to be a fanatic video, you know, with the family growing up before the show started. You know, I took out my video camera and capture home videos and stuff. I think that's going to be my legacy is I'm going to have all these great home videos. And one day when I get in my rocking chair, I'm going to sit there and edit them all and create, you know. But, not, you know, then all of a sudden the show came in, kind of took over. So I put my video camera away and it's collected dust ever since, you know. And, uh, but I, 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 you know, the whole having obviously the kids, you, you, kids and now grandkids. That's my legs. I want those kids to look back um, long after I'm gone and say, well, Grandpa, you know, look at this cool cabin. Look at this cool castle. Look at this cool farm. You know, look at these cool businesses that he that we can, you know, take advantage of. So you want them to build on the success that they have. You want them to be interested in, in the farm and the land and, and, uh, and this 
fact that we carved out a really nice little homestead here in this area. And uh, this is a great little location. Don't want to see apartments, you know, built on, on our land. We want it to be uh, something that the kids can enjoy um, and generations can enjoy. And so that, that's the challenge, how to put that in place um, and uh, make sure that the legacy can be the footprint, the roll-off, this roll-off farm, this roll-off farm has here, um, uh, in, you know, in history. Yeah, good stuff. And then what would you say then would be, obviously, running on, I think it's 17 seasons. We're about to drop, what, the 18th season? How many seasons well, of the show? I don't know. They label the seasons that don't necessarily mean years, you know. We've been doing this since the first time. I looked up an old contract. I think we first went under contract uh, 17 years ago. Okay. So that number is like the, you know, like, well, that's when we first started negotiating about how to do this. And we did a couple of pilots before the actual real pilot came on. So it is a long history, but I think we're in 15 years of being on air 2006, if I, if I'm not mistaken, March of 2006. Um, so however many years that is since our, our show went sort of to, to green light um, and, and went regular. What, what would you say then you hope to be the legacy of the show here when it does eventually run its course? What do you hope the legacy of little people, big world? Well, you know, you know, I, you know, reality television has always better. Docudramas is a more accurate, you know, I mean, reality television, is that a game show, you know, or, you know, is that, or is that these docudramas where they roughly follow the family um, storylines, um, uh, the terminology, but, you know, we've never won any awards in Hollywood for, even though we've been, the, we have gotten the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest running reality television family show, I can't the title, um, in history. So we, you know, more than the Kardashians and more than, you know, the Duggars and, you know, we've got a lot of episodes. So we've been running every single year since 2006, of, you know, uh, and, um, uh, that's the only, but Hollywood doesn't, you know, that's a, reality television is kind of the step, the, what's the, the bad stepchild, you know, of, of, tele, of TV, um, uh, and for whatever reason. And, um, but we think we've changed the world with little people, big world, you know, little people, big world, we think has made people think about little people a little different. And it certainly has spawned off sister shows of kind of a whole genre. There's a whole, array of great little people shows out there now both on TLC and other channels that show the everyday life of little people the doctors um you know Bill and Jen Klein the, the little couple um there's uh, um they had Bill on the show what, pardon me I had Bill had, on the show Bill yep. Show. yep right and they're but then they gotta have Trent okay yeah uh, Trent and five kids Trent and Amber I served on the board of directors with uh, Amber years ago on the little people of the organization long history with that family they're great Great couple and great kid. I don't know all the kids, but I certainly have a long history with them. They're great little people, family. I just love watching Trent and how he get does things on his own. It's actually inspired me to. Hey, I could do that too. I just need to get 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 out of my head that I don't need to hire someone. So Trent's out there, you know, lifting and pushing things around, you know, with ingenuity. Great show, and but these shows, you know, all in little people, big world have all collected to really, I think, help change society's perspective on people that are different. Now, if you can get your head around a little person, I mean, you know, up to your chest or your belly, being just like you emotionally, wanting to live life in pursuit of, you know, happiness, um, uh, then you can get your 
head around anybody who looks a little different. People that are, have an injury that you know are missing a limb or are um, that have other disabilities, CP or some common things, maybe some dis- config, uh, you know, disfiguration. I think if you can understand that, hey, little people, I see them on TV, they're just like you and I. I used to think they were for a freak show. Um, then you can get your head around anybody that lives with difference. And living with difference, that's the salt of life. It would be a boring world if we were all tall, dark, and handsome. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, we need some short, squatty, ugly people. There's no show called <laughs> Average People, Little World. You know, so. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Give it time, right? So um, I, I, I think the legacy of Little People, Big World, we... We were, I don't think anybody can take that away from us. We were the first, you know, regular little people show that just followed the everyday life. Um, And I think that in general society around the globe, the whole world, every continent and country um, that I can imagine showed this show, translates it. I had somebody come up to me long ago, hey, I'm your voice in Brazil. You know, you're my voice in, in Brazil. Oh, I translate. Yeah, oh. tra- I, I'm hired by, you know, the network down there to translate your voice into Brazilian. Wow. <laughs> you know, and um, that's fine. So I know that the show is going all over, um, the you know, the world. And people are learning that little people, they're, they're pretty cool. You know, little people in, in a general class of, uh, and so being short isn't necessarily uh, something to laugh at, have something to laugh with and, to, you know, have fun with. And, but at the same time, um, you know, we're all different and we all, um, you know, are out there trying to live life, the best, you know, our best life. And, uh, that, that's an important message that we think we've gotten out through the medium of television. Yeah. And I think now too, the show lives on forever because now as we see everything gets restreamed, uh, Hulu and you know, Netflix, whatever channel it may be, these things can live on forever now. And I think it'll continue to touch so many lives uh, throughout the course of history. So uh, kudos to you and your family for, for what you guys have managed to accomplish. So Matt, you're going to be known the legacy, obviously, Little People, Big World. You're going to have a legacy here with the Roloff Farm. What do you want the legacy of Matt Roloff, the father? What do you want your legacy to be as a dad? You know, I, I am not expecting my legacy to be that I was a perfect father because I've learned so many things, you know, being a grandfather, even I'm like, oh my gosh, I really blew that when I was a regular father. Um, I wish I would, I watched my kids and how attentive they are. And I sometimes I, I wish I would have known some of my mistakes back then and been aware of them. Um, and my, my kids are learned from my mistakes, I believe. Um, but I really want my legacy and I'm redoubling down my efforts now as a, as a grandpa, um, with my grandkids and my kids to keep my communication lines open um, can't you can't always be perfect I have my moods I'm uh, you know have ups and downs and bad days like anybody else does um, but I really do feel like I maintain a good relationship with my kids um, and the grandkids and uh, w- want to continue to work hard I want my legacy to be I don't know how long I'm gonna go you know but I want my legacy to be that my whoever remembers me uh, they look back and think well Grandpa was, you know, built some cool things, and he was there. We had a good relationship. We could sit down. We could talk to him about anything, and um, he would listen, and uh, he would um, provide advice, um, and he was a good grandpa, a good father, uh, maybe even a great-grandpa if, we, if I'm so lucky to live that long. Um, but if not, I think the, the grandkids can point. I remember the grandpa that built this stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. And, and, and this will be your third go around here, Matt. You know how I love to end this show. And I always like to ask all the dads, is your, your, your third go around? I don't know if you got you know any, anything new to add here to it, but I got to ask anyway, what kind of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? 
Well, the, the bathroom before, it just be present, be present and listen. Um, you know, if the kids grow up, you know, it, to get down on the floor, I do that in here with my grandkids. You know, it's hard for me to get on the floor. It's not always easy. But my biggest advice to, to fathers, whether you know new fathers, is to be present and to enjoy what, what they like. Remember, all kids have different personalities. There's not one mole. You have four kids, you think you're going to get them all into the same mole. It doesn't work that way. I learned that the hard way. My kids have different interests and different personalities. They absorb information or discipline differently. So you have to treat each of your kids as individuals that are completely different and who, um, and you have to adapt to them as opposed to trying to get them into your mold. Very well said. Listen, it's an absolute honor to be here at the farm. Thank you for having me here. And you're a first-class father, first-class grandfather, all the way. And thank you so much for joining me here again on First Class Fatherhood. I'm honored to be on. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Matt Roloff, not only for giving me a few minutes of his time, but inviting me to his home at the Roloff Farms. It was such an honor to be there with him. He and his girlfriend, Karen, really gave me the first class treatment while I was out there. I really enjoyed my stay with them. The farm is beautiful. He's got so much going on out there. Uh, The new season of Little People Big World starts tomorrow on TLC. Highly recommend you check that out. I'm looking forward to it myself. Make sure you guys are following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the other upcoming guest announcements. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for doing so. Please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.